Welcome to the October 7th edition of the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten. Before I get started, a couple of things I wanted to discuss. I'm trying to get up to 20 followers on the podcast. So if you're a first-time listener, thank you very much and welcome. Please hit the follow button. If you're a previous listener, welcome back. Obviously, great to have you. So please, if you could share with your friends, I'd love to get the followers up and create a bit of a community here. Second thing, thank you to the guys on Twitter who uh, jumped on to help with the NFL side. Got my maiden victory, so thank you very much. Hopefully, we can make it two in a row this week. Alrighty, now into the NBA. Going to talk some finals so far, and then going to do another way too early deep dive into the Chicago Bulls. Game four today, Lakers up 3-1. Didn't think LA was going to get there. I think Miami started off really, really nicely. KCP came up with a couple of big shots in the first to save the Lakers, but it was much the same. Jimmy, Bam, Hero all played really nicely. Duncan Robinson brought up a couple of big shots, which was nice to see, but the Lakers, they were just too big, too big, too strong, and they just got it done. Miami, they really did need someone else to step up. The story for the Lakers so far, I think that their bench has played really well in parts. Obviously, Rondo's been really good. Morris has been really good. Uh, Alex Caruso, the GOAT, he's been really good as well. But Miami, nobody contributed off the bench. They're they're only running three, um, but they only contributed 13 points of four of 18 shooting. And there's only so much Pala can do outside of what he's already done. I am curious, and I don't know if anybody listening follows the Miami Heat, but I did wonder why Derek Jones Jr. doesn't get solid minutes. He's a he's a good defender. He's got long arms and could certainly disrupt some of the passes, but I don't know. Uh, Spolstra, he gets paid the big bucks, not me. So I think they've got an extra day off between game four and game five. So I think that the Lakers will come back. Uh, I think they'll get it done. I think they'll close it out. And I really, I reckon they could win it with a bit of ease. I think it's a, a bit of downhill skiing from now. So the Chicago Bulls, as I mentioned, the start of our deep dive here. Um, super disappointing this year. They struggled to just 22 wins, which... If you look at them on paper, they look like they have a playoff side in the East, the seventh seed or an eighth seed, not much more than that, but certainly better than 22 wins. They have a really nice-looking, young, but injury-prone roster. And I don't know, surely it clicks at some point. I don't know if they're going to get too much done in the offseason, but assuming that no starters get traded, I think they'll start with Kobe White at the point, Zach Levine at shooting, Otto Porter Jr. at small forward, Lauren Markinen at power forward, Wendell Carter Jr. at center with not too much coming off the bench. They still have, I think they still got about 10 million owed to Sadoransky and maybe 13 million to Thad, but I think those are the only two guys that they've got. Chris Dunn out of contract, so they can quite literally be done with Dunn. He's going to just be a bit of a waiver fodder somewhere. Regarding the Bulls, traditionally, I have kept clear of drafting them. I just I just straight up do, do not trust them. I do not trust them at all. I didn't trust Boylan. I don't 
know even now if I can trust the rotations and I certainly don't trust their health. As per the previous pods I've done, there's always a risk-reward situation in the middle rounds of the draft. So keep that in mind whenever you're going to be looking at the Chicago Bulls. So getting into their squad, starting with Kobe White. If you're to look at his four-season numbers, they aren't overly inspiring. However, the last 20 games, he had 17.6 points, 2.73s, 3.6 boards, 3.7 assists, 0.7 steals on 42% shooting from the field and 86% shooting from the line. Those numbers are great. I just don't see them holding up over a full season. When the Bulls are healthy, which you would assume is the case come opening night, I reckon he's going to be third in the pecking order, maybe fourth, and I just don't see him getting the usage that he needs to put up those scoring numbers. Right now, if I was to take a guess... I would say he's I would say he's probably 13 points for assist type player with a bad field goal. He 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 was really healthy, so I'll give him that much, but I won't be drafting him. I'll I'll be keeping an eye on him, he'll be on my watch list, and as soon as one of the other injury prone starters goes down, I'll grab him. But I don't think that he's going to get the usage he needs to get the points that he needs to be fantasy relevant. Zach Levine, he is he's the true stud of this side. Uh, I'd, for him, I will break my do not draft bulls strategy for him. Um, this year, he went 25.5 points, 3.1 triples, five rebounds, four assists, one and a half steals on 45% shooting from the field and 80% from the line. Rightfully, if I was him, I would be a bit annoyed at the all-star snubbing. I think, yeah, I think he had a great year. I've always been a little cautious when it comes to Levine. In the last three seasons, he's played 47 games, 24 games, and 63 games. Not good for someone you're relying on, but if he can remain healthy like he did this year, he'll be a consistent fourth rounder. And I also think that there is some room for him to improve again. Where I think those improvements will come from will be his assists. This year, he went just a shade over four assists. I think it was 4.2, maybe 4.1. And because the ball will be in his hands a lot, another year gelling with his teammates, with a healthy side, I think he could be a five, five and a half assists per game sort of guy. I see him as kind of a bit of a, a poor man's Devin Booker. It sounds a little bit harsh because Levine in his own right is a star, but Devin Booker has, he started off as a shooting guard, but he plays pretty much like a point guard when it comes to fantasy. He brings the ball to court. He gets himself five and a half, six assists per game, does it on pretty good shooting, gets himself, you know, 25, 26, 27 points per game and not much on the defensive side. I think Levine will do a bit more of that next year. I think his assist, uh, I think his steals, I should say, will be okay. But I think that if he can get his, if he can get his assist to the five, five and a half, I think that he'll be looking at a big leap. If you got to pick, kind of mid to late thirties, I would probably take him. I, I'd be eyeing him off in the thirty to forty range. 
And depending on what your team looks like, I think he's a pretty solid pick there. Next man up for the Bulls is Otto Porter Jr. Can you believe that there was a time only a couple of years ago where Otto was the best Porter Jr. in the league? Now I would probably have him as only the third best Porter Jr. in the league behind Michael and behind Kevin. I think he is one of those players who, if there was injuries aside and it was just a per-game basis, he would be elite. But the facts are that he's only played 14 games this year and only 56 games the year before that. I'm not going to go into his this season stats too much because, as I said, it was only on 14 games and it was a little bit, yeah, it's too small of a sample. But if you're going to draft him, you're obviously drafting him on his upside. His upside is 15 points, 1.83s, 6.4 boards, couple of assists, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks on 50% from the field and 83% from the free throw. Those numbers are actually his 2017-2018 numbers, which, ironically, were the last time he was healthy. Incredibly, Otto's last game was November 6th, 2019, nearly a full year ago. Um, And if he was going to start any season healthy, this is the one that it's going to be. It's going to be something like 15 or 16 months out of basketball since he's played. And obviously, he would have hit the gym. Obviously, he would have been doing his rehabilitation. And he might be a little bit rusty to start off with. But over a year off basketball, nearly a year and a half off basketball, surely he's healthy. I would proceed with caution still because injury history just always catches up with players. But if you're willing to run that risk, he's a solid 3 and D player with a couple of extra goodies. Laurie Markkinen, he's somebody that's going to line up a power forward. And again, I don't know about his health. Big men with back problems are always a concern. And he's yet to play more than 68 games in a season. When he's healthy, I don't really love him that much either. I I think I've mentioned this on maybe the last podcast, maybe the one before that. When you're playing in a category league, you want to be picking players who contribute across the board to a degree. Obviously, at the top end of your draft, you're picking players who are good across the board but elite in some areas. As you get to the middle rounds, you're picking players who can contribute in most categories or are elite. You're not going to get both, otherwise there would be a top end. And then towards the back, you're going to get players who contribute a little bit in the areas that you need, and you're obviously trying to avoid players who tank. He isn't really any of those sort of guys. 2.2 triples, 6.3 boards, and 82% from the line are good, but it's not exactly elite. Everything else, he doesn't really contribute that much either. His field goal is not great. He doesn't assist. He maybe gets 0.7.8 steals, which is decent for a big man. Doesn't block. And the biggest concern outside of that is his usage rate. It dropped from 25.4 last year to 21.2 this year. And that's a year without Otto Porter Jr. And they didn't have an established point guard. I do wholeheartedly blame Jim Boylan for that. But... Because we haven't seen Billy Donovan with this new side yet, I'm really not sure what the rotations are going to look like. So I'm wary, and it's certainly something that is in my mind. I would suggest it should be in in all fantasy players' minds. Uh, 
But who knows? I mean, coming off a down year, there is a chance that he slips. Players may take him on his upside and take him early. I would say that for me, if I'm going into a draft, I'd be looking for him at the 90 to 100 range. If he's there, then I would probably take a go at him. Like There is the obvious very high risk associated with him. Does it outweigh the rewards? I mean, that's up for you. Finally, lining up at centre, Wendell Carter Jr. He's probably the one player on this list that I would have high up on my board. If this guy slips to the you know the 90, 100, 100 plus range, I'll be taking him every single draft that I can. Big man with his upside, that late in the draft are rare. Um, and his upside is huge. Uh, again, he's a big man with an injury issue and that is worrying, but he is a solid contributor. 11 points, 9.5 boards, just shy of a, of a steal, just shy of a block, 53% from the field, 74% from the line. Those numbers are not, they're not that great. They're not even that, that good really, but he will get all the time and all the, all the looks that he needs to be putting up really good fantasy numbers. He's only got Luke Cornett and Daniel Gafford behind him. Those guys aren't knocking on the door. His usage rate was only at a 16.4 this year. You can imagine if that lifts to a 20, which it should, then he'll be looking at more of a 16 and 10 sort of stat line with a steal, one and a half blocks. And at that point, like you'd be looking at someone in the in the top 30 at that. That's a Miles Turner light. That's a Rudy Gobert light. That's almost an Andre Drummond light. Like it's those numbers. If I told you that you were going to get that at the 90 to 100 range, you would take that every day. So again, health is a concern, but please put him on your list. If he's there when you get into the later rounds, grab him. He was the, I think it was the number seven pick a couple of years back and he was obviously there for a reason. He's got a lot of talent and he is higher on my boards than a lot of bigs that would go in the middle rounds. So to summarize the Chicago Bulls, I I probably talked down a lot of players in there, but they've got a new coach in Billy Donovan. He he likes to try new things. So we could absolutely see some marketing at the five, or as I mentioned, we could see some Zach Levine running point with Kobe as a as a shooter at the two. One thing he can't fix, though, is broken bodies. So keep that in mind when you're eyeing off any balls. If you have some injury-prone players at the start, so say you've taken Embiid and Paul George, for example, then I would probably steer clear of taking an Otto Porter Jr. in the middle rounds because there is, in all likelihood, a chance of you having three players just from those three picks out for an extended period. So if you, I suppose on the other side of that, if you do need some upside and you're confident in running the risk, by all means, don't let me stop you. The the upside on all of those players is real. It's just a pretty glaringly obvious concern. Alrighty, guys, that's all I have for you. Next week, 
we should have an NBA champion. So we'll look at the remainder of the final series. We'll do another deep dive. I'm thinking somebody like the Phoenix Suns or maybe the dumpster fire that is the New York Knicks. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, please shoot them through to fantasylandbasketball at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at Mark Fantasyland. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe.